This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to the Vancouver Consumer. Manny Bazunas filling in for Sterling Fox this weekend on CKNW, the COVID-19 pandemic special. Uh, this hour devoted entirely to getting you up to date on everything uh, you need to know about the uh, pandemic. Uh, boy, things have uh, gotten a little worse. Um, now confirmed 73 cases of COVID-19. Got a couple of special guests. Uh, one you heard at 6 o'clock this morning. Uh, hopefully got a bit of a nap in. Uh, heard you this morning, uh, Jason Tetro, with John Daly. Uh, Jason is the host of the Super Awesome Science Show. Uh, you grew up around germs, <laughs> Jason. <laughs> Since you were a teenager, you've had this fascination with things like uh, viruses, and uh, you're a visiting scientist at a number of institutions, and um, more locally known as our guest germ guy. So welcome back. I've got so many questions for you, uh, Jason, and we're going to open up the lines as well uh, for folks who might have a question or two for you at uh, 280-9898, 280 9898 One of the words I haven't heard a lot of uh, from both the scientific community, the medical community, and I don't quite care what the political community is saying. I want to hear from the experts. And that's the word trajectory. We now have confirmed 73 cases of COVID-19 in British Columbia. Now, if someone were to say to me, Jason, Manny, I'm going to give you $73. I know what $73 is. I know what it buys. I know what it doesn't buy. I know what it looks like. I, but I don't know what 73 confirmed cases of COVID-19 means. Can you illuminate me? Yeah. So what you have to realize is that when you talk about $73, right, what you're talking about is money, and you know what that means, you know what it's relative to, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when we talk about 73 cases, what we're talking about is still kind of unknown. And the reason for that is most of what we've been seeing up until now has been essentially uncontrolled spread. And we saw this in China. We definitely saw this in Iran and Italy. Um, We potentially are seeing this happening in the States. But now in Canada, what we're seeing is um, these great efforts to be able to reduce the number of cases. So rather than the number itself, what I want you to do is take a look at where these people got the virus. And if you can find an answer as to how they got that virus, then we still have it under control. And that just simply means that we're going to, incre- we're going to start rising or we're going to keep rising uh, as long as we have people who have been traveling, people who have been coming into contact with others that we may have known, cruise ships. Uh, you know, people coming back from uh, countries where that, uh, you know, where the epidemics have been. Uh, and of course, unfortunately, healthcare workers. Where we get worried is when we start seeing those numbers coming higher and higher, and we can't trace where those people got the infection. When that happens, it's called community spread. And while there have been some of those cases in British Columbia, it hasn't really been significant. 
So the virus isn't circulating in British Columbia. It's just in a number of people who thankfully have been either isolated or find themselves in healthcare. So when it comes to trajectory, if we're able to maintain this path, then what's going to happen is we'll see you know rising cases as we get to the point where we we essentially uh, could no longer have any other cases simply because we've cordoned off everybody, we've we've prevented the virus from coming in, and then it's going to slowly um, go down and actually go to zero. Now, is that going to be six weeks? Is that going to be three months? We don't quite know. And I think this is really where um, patience is necessary on the part of everybody who's listening right now, because this is new. Well, um, you know, when you listen to our politicians and even the College of Physicians and Surgeons this week asking retired doctors uh, to unretire if they've only been retired for a couple of years, if they would consider getting fast track for their accreditation and mm-hmm. back into practice in case we need them. Uh, that indicates to me, at least the tenor of that conversation would indicate to me, that they're expecting this trajectory to be up. Well, unfortunately, the problem is If we get to that point where we have uncontrolled spread, we are going to have a nightmare of essentially healthcare being overwhelmed. I mean, it's already overwhelmed because of cold and flu season. Now you add on top of that this virus, which, again, nobody has seen before. So therefore, the majority of people are going to have some kind of symptoms and Based on what we've seen with toilet paper, the minute that people come up with symptoms, they're going to want to have health care. So the best thing to do is to be able to make sure that you have the capacity of doctors, of nurses, any kind of healthcare professional who has the ability to help provide that care for people so that we don't get so overwhelmed, we end up like we've been hearing about in Italy, where essentially doctors have been having to decide who to care for. We don't want that. And that's, again, one of the reasons why we've taken these essentially drastic actions to be able to prevent large gatherings of people coming together. It's to prevent that community or uncontrolled spread. Jason Tetro is a microbiologist, a health and hygiene expert, host of the Super Awesome Science Show, and our resident expert on uh, COVID, or as expert, I guess, as anyone can be, uh, because this is so new to all of us. Uh, Jason, one of the things that really concerned me this week, with, and it went underreported, I didn't see it anywhere, uh, it was in one of the communist Chinese newspapers. And I had a Mandarin and Cantonese friend uh, mm-hmm. who could translate it for me, and he said, this newspaper is basically the mouthpiece, the propaganda piece, for the Chinese Communist government. Mm -hmm. I said, well, what are they saying in this piece about this particular virus? And what they were doing, speaking for the government of China, which is very worrisome to me, they are now threatening to cut off some of the components of the drug used to fight this particular disorder. How can they do that in all good conscience? They are going to uh, possibly... Uh, cut off some of these uh, drug components that go into this overall drug that they're using to combat it. Do you see that as being anywhere near realistic or just propaganda? Uh, both. Um, I mean, the, the unfortunate reality is 
when you see something like COVID-19 essentially have the impact that it does, whether it be on the Chinese population or whether it be on um, you know, the rest of the world, what ends up happening is that the virus can somehow destabilize loyalty to various individuals. Now, when it comes to um, the Chinese government, we do know that the party does have control. That Nobody can deny that. So this may be one of their measures to make sure that they have that loyalty. Uh, but we have seen this in Iran as well. Um, we have seen this to some extent in America as well. Why have we not had any testing? Well, it may have been because the people who were supposed to be profiting from this couldn't get it out in time. I mean, these are the types of things that we're hearing about. Um, and, and, of course, that story that we've heard just earlier where, you know, someone went around to all these different stores, bought up all the hand sanitizer only to sell it on Amazon at price gouging, you know, Shrek, uh, Shrek rally um, type pricing. I mean, the fact of the matter is that um, people are going to take advantage of this situation so that they can either make a buck or they can gain loyalty from people to their cause. This happens all the time, though, and, and I'm sure that uh, you're, the next guest, when they talk about the history of pandemics, will have more to say about that. Well, I guess, you know, what I was reading, or at least what my uh, Chinese friend was reading to me about this, about cutting off the components of the drug, uh, it might have been their way of sending a message to uh, Donald Trump that we do have you trumped when it comes to trade deals, and we've got this thing in the, you know, this is our ace of spade in the hole. But anyway, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll let that go for the moment. One of the other things uh, that is uh, quite concerning uh, is the numbers, the availability, not only of the test kits, but the ventilators that may be required. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, the, the, the reality is that if we find ourselves in a position where we have that uncontrolled spread, um, it, it sounds, based on what we've been hearing from a number of different countries where they've had this sort of uh, storm of an outbreak, that uh, 20% of people may need uh, some kind of, uh, you know, healthcare intervention. And out of that, a certain percentage is going to be needing ventilators, uh, intensive care, that type of thing. Um, we don't have enough facilities uh, to be able to handle that many people no matter what. And I guess that's one of the reasons why we are taking these uh, very important measures so that we can slow the number of cases and hopefully have very few um, or, or maybe a handful at a time of people who are going to need this type of intervention. And, and thankfully, it seems to be working. But uh, again, you know, if we all of a sudden just decide to let everybody go and we let this virus start spreading around like crazy, we may end up in a situation like in Italy where we just don't have the resources available to take care of everybody. You're listening to the Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Manny Bazunas filling in this weekend for Sterling Fox, our guest on our COVID-19 pandemic special all this hour. Jason Tetro, he is uh, lovingly referred to around here as our germ guy. Uh, he's an expert on uh, viruses. As viruses go, uh, Jason, how does this one measure up to some of the others we've seen and worried about? Well, this is my seventh um, so-called pandemic, uh, only two actually pandemics, uh, since about the late 90s. Um, and each one has been sort of kind of scary in its own right. Uh, but most of the time, the fear never translated to the public. And, and so, you know, when H5N1 came around in 1998, you know, we in our labs, we had the, you know, we were scared to death of this thing actually getting out because it was just going to, you know, it was going to be the movie pandemic. It never did. 
Um, this is the first time, though, that something has really gotten into the public conscious consciousness. And, and as, as a result of that, sort of many of the worries and fears that are happening may not necessarily be valid, but we can't really take that away. Because remember, when we first heard about this in January, it was a killer virus. It was basically SARS-like. It was SARS, but it wasn't SARS, okay? Um, even for me, it was, oh, okay, well, you know, it's going to kill the people that it infects, and then the rest of the pe- you know, they're going to be able to stamp it out. This will be done by, you know, Easter. Uh, but then we found out that was human-to-human transmission. Then we found out that it became this nucleus in Wuhan that spread all over the world. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that when you have something that potentially has the ability to kill like SARS, but also can spread like the common cold, um, you know, for, as an epidemiologist or, or a microbiologist, you kind of look at that and you're like, wow, that's kind of interesting, that's cool, and, you know, we really need to be sure that we take care of this. But for the public... I, you know, it it can be very, very scary. Does that mean that you should be buying a lot of toilet paper? I, I don't know. But hand sanitizer and disinfectants, yeah, I can see why people would be doing that. And I also understand why people are now listening to the messages that we've been sharing for the last 20 years about cold and flu season hygiene. I mean, people are now washing their hands. People are now, you know, providing themselves with that social distancing. People are very much aware of other people following or not following hygienic uh, sharing when they're sick. We're actually telling people to stay home when they're sick and they're listening. So this virus has really changed um, the, the, the face of, well, the entire world. And to some extent, for the better. And what I hope is that when this goes away, when we finally have reached the end of COVID-19, that we may actually be able to adhere and hold on to some of these practices so that maybe we're not overwhelming healthcare facilities every year as a result of cold and flu. It just seems to me, uh, Jason, that if you have to tell people to wash their hands, I mean, that's pretty elementary. Mm-hmm. It's like getting on an airplane and the flight attendant is showing you how to, you know, do up your belt buckle. I yep. mean, if you haven't learned how to do a belt buckle, a, a, a seat belt up, uh, I don't know. What does that say? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, again, it's one of those issues where if it's something that you've become, um, you know, used to, then you don't really think about it so much. I think the problem, however, is, you know, we don't necessarily associate buckling our seats to that moment where we hit a, uh, you know, a warm levitation spot in the air that sends us flying, because we don't hit that very often when we're in a plane. But boy, when we do, we are really (laughs) thankful we put on that seatbelt, right? Well, uh, this has uh, this has got me washing my hands a whole lot more, and uh, definitely after uh, listening to you with John Daly this morning, he was filling in for Jill Bennett mm-hmm. on NW bright and early for you this morning, uh, Jason. We got you back this afternoon. Um, that the average person touches their face uh, sixteen times yes. an, an hour, yeah. And you know, I wouldn't even have thought of that. Like, you know, it's just so natural that you know you scratch this and you look at that and you're opening mm-hmm. your eyes a little wider and you know you're touching your face all the time. But I would never have thought sixteen times an hour. Oh yeah, and the and the most interesting thing is that say you get to work in one of these high level laboratories where you're working with pretty dangerous viruses that could potentially kill you. The first thing you're taught is how not to put your hands anywhere near your face. And it is the hardest thing. You literally have to become a Zen master in order to not do that. So I'm not going to tell people not to touch their face because it's impossible. What I am going to do is make sure to tell them that you really should try and keep those hands as clean as possible, whether it's with the hand washing, like we talked about,
about this morning, or the hand sanitizer, 62 to 70 percent alcohol, 15 seconds of contact time, and, and again, you're good to go. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.